Welcome to a Talking Tropes mini. Today we're gonna talk to you about season two of the Umbrella Academy. I'm Hannah. I'm David. Um, this one, you know, kind of a little late. We we try to come in right away with our our uh, our minis, but since this show came out while we were on hiatus, we thought we would still want to give you our take on what is yeah. one of my favorite Netflix uh, originals. Uh, I don't know about you, Hannah. Oh, I I definitely agree. It's it's one of the more um, exciting Netflix originals that is. Uh, still alive right now because there have been many in the past but they are all now deceased <laughs> or have gone on too right. long and are basically deceased <laughs> right um for those of you who haven't seen umbrella academy we'll give a brief introduction before we jump into spoilers uh this but it's is gonna a show, be all spoilers <laughs> it's gonna be all spoilers for seasons one and two yeah. uh so you know check it out the show is about uh a family of X-Men-like superheroes yes. who were all born on the same day Seba and adopted Harry. by a sadistic madman um, who wanted to train them to save the world from the apocalypse, which is exactly what they try to do a lot. Several times. <laughs> a comparison that I haven't seen a lot of people make is that I think this show is, like, supernatural but good and for yeah. a broader audience. yeah. Um, so if you like Supernatural, but, like, want it to be maybe actually a little gay? bit more, <laughs> a little more actually gay, a little bit more off the walls, a little more talking chimpanzee. Yeah, a um, little bit more tongue-in-cheek. Right. But also with a lot more grounded character bits that I think are more, you know, true to life, maybe? I mean, I don't it's, know. it's based off of a, uh, graphic novel, like, comic book written by Gerard Way. So, like, there are some elements to it that are, like, very, like, MCR, like, scene kid <laughs> from middle school 2007, like, aspects right. But at the same it. time, but at the same time, very upbeat and yeah. fun. Oh, um, I don't ever feel, I don't ever feel depressed when I'm watching no, the show. It's, it's not, like, emo, you know, like it doesn't have like a negative no. worldview. Um, it just has like a... Well, maybe kind of, it does. It has, it's got a, I would say it has a cynical worldview. I don't think it has okay. a negative worldview. All right. And I well, think there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's get right into it. Um, a lot of people have talked about this show and, and have done a lot of explained videos, so we want to step away from the, you know, the recapping of season two yeah. and uh, just talk about how we reacted to it and yeah. especially the ways in which season two, to me, feels like let's do everything that worked from season one again, but kind of just turn up the notch from, you know, 10 to 11. Yeah. Um, and, and whether that works and whether it doesn't. So... Yeah. Uh, let's 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 get to it. <laughs> Do you want to like go character by character or something? Um, sure. I mean, we could start with just like our big takeaways um, from it. You know, like like my my big takeaway. So like, first of all, I watched this season in literally like one afternoon tonight. Like, literally turned it on at four o'clock. Did not stop watching until it was like two a.m. and I had finished all ten episodes. Um, so, like, the ultimate definition of just, like, a binge show. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, this season is just littered with cliffhangers. Um, like, right. every episode, the status quo has shifted so immensely in some way that, you know, you have to just know what's going to happen next. 
season one definitely felt like there were a lot of cliffhangers, but it yeah. was a lot of like running on a treadmill in place, especially since we had this one location that we kept returning to. Right. And, and it always and, felt like we've never gotten any further in solving what causes the apocalypse. Right. Like there's two, it's, it's, it's sort of like two big mysteries that we're trying to solve in season one. You know, there's the supposed murder of their father, which is what brings them all together. It's his death. And one of them thinks he was murdered. And then we're trying to figure out if that was true or not. And there's drama and intrigue there. Um, and then there's also the, like, what's going to cause the apocalypse mystery that they're trying to solve simultaneously and trying to figure out if they're connected at all. And then, you know, other character right. stuff that that is <laughs> involved in both of those plots. And um, I mean, like, Hargreaves's murder is kind of a red herring, yeah. which plays into the main plot, but just, you know... The fact that, like, the first half of the season is dedicated to that and it, it doesn't really pan out to anything other than what we already knew it accomplished, which is bringing the characters together. Right. Is, uh, you know, it's different from season two where everything has its own little mini payoff. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the larger mysteries being developed uh, for, for the larger part of the season. Totally. Totally. I, I agree with that. Um but, like, it's it's interesting because the show ends on, uh, like, this major cliffhanger, definitely. But it, it because it's so, like, status-altering that it's almost, like, a more vague sense of, like, what the stakes are going to be moving forward. As compared to the other cliffhangers within the season. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, literally, I was like, I cannot wait. And and I thought several times, I'm like, this has to be the last episode. Like, this has to be the cliffhanger they're going to leave us on, because this is making me want season three now. But then I got to be thrilled and discover that there was another episode. <laughs> um, but the, the last cliffhanger is still, like, very good and very, like status quo altering for sure but it's it's again it's like the characters in season one you know it's we're being introduced to them and then it's a lot of um you know laying out conflicts and interpersonal dramas between them that get a ton of payoff in season two so they've sort of reached this like equilibrium almost um like like not a full resolution necessarily, but like they've they've reached some kind of like stillness to the water, and then you know the cliffhanger at the end of the season is like a pebble thrown into that pond that I'm sure is gonna cause a ton of shit uh, to go quite awry. Yeah, I've seen some reviews of of season two and season one of the show um, where basically the premise is like. Everything is so apocalyptic and so impactful, and yet it never really does, like, change the status quo that much beyond repair that it almost, like, you know, it's like, you know, what are the stakes to anything, really, if the apocalypse is not actually the end of the world? Right. Like, and if, you know, if all this time travel exists, like, how is there tension in any, you know, negative thing that happens, that which can be undone, which I think is a problem with a lot of time travel. I never do really feel that way when I'm in it. Yeah. Maybe it's just the musical choices. I don't know. But, like... <laughs> the musical choices in the show are incredible. Um, the, the Yeah, and the dance numbers. We all knew there was going to be dance numbers after yeah. season one, you know, had a lot of dance numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the dance numbers. What's the point, otherwise? 
But yeah. I want to I want to jump into the the character arcs and and, yeah. and talk about the way that this season like consciously tries to reset and reassess the character arcs, even some of those that I think were kind of resolved in uh, in season one. Sure. So uh, let's just go by numbers if we can okay, remember what the we'll numbers are. We'll start with number one, Luther, right behind <laughs> me, the big boy. For uh, those of you who can see us in our our video cast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, Luther in, in season one, his arc is obviously, you know, trying to cope with being the only person who stuck by his father, the person who stuck by him long after he deserved to be stuck by. Yeah. And uh, then in season two, he has a, like a new father figure in, um, um, what's the name of that that real life gangster, um, Jack oh, Ruby? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or something like up. that. Basically, so so yeah, Jack what, Ruby. So what happens is they escape the apocalypse of season one, and they end up in nineteen early nineteen sixties Dallas. Um, they all sort of pop right. out at slightly different times. Um, so they've been there uh, for like different amounts of time, and uh, Luther's been there like for for kind of a, a while. He's one of the first to come right. popping out, so he's sort of established a life. Right. Well, he's he's working for the mob, yeah. and specifically the gangster who ends up killing Lee Harvey Oswald. So this season is a lot about conspiracy theories, which is why, you know, I was questioning you earlier saying that it didn't yeah. have a dark worldview, uh, <laughs> you know, of the world. First of all, not only are there the conspiracy theories that are so infused in the 1960s, right. but also, um, you know, there's the conspiracy theory overarching the whole series, which is that all of time is actually controlled by a shadowy organization. The, uh, like a corporate capitalistic organization of some kind. Right. Which I think um, there have been some accusations leveled at this show of some sort of mild anti-Semitism or some unintentional anti-Semitism maybe in that uh, the handler in, at two separate occasions makes a point of speaking in Yiddish. And she is the head of this shadow organization. And also, as we see, there is a conspiracy to kill the president, which does involve aliens. Yes. Um, so I, I think that there is something to, you know, their obsession with lizard people, yeah. like, which can have a kind of anti-Semitic bent to it. Right. It doesn't really stop me from enjoying the show, but I think no. it is an important critical lens to apply to a show so obsessed with conspiracies. Yeah, and I mean, especially in our current age where, you know, a lot of these conspiracy theories are, you know, more than just, like, there were seven people that shot Kennedy, and it's like, <laughs> you know, politicians are keeping sex dungeons of children when, no, there are other, like, people right, doing just, that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's the moment that we're in the QAnon moment, yeah. there are QAnon, you know candidates for congress right yeah, it's not good yeah um but sort of getting off track from luther who i just <laughs> again want to assure is just the biggest teddy bear uh, he is. you just want to hug the, the weird thing in season one with him is that he's in love with his sister allison none of them are blood right. related but like they all grew up together so it's weird and creepy um right and they share this like <laughs> moment in a timeline that doesn't exist. So then you think like, oh, season two, they're going to finally get together, right? You know, they've they've reconciled their differences. They're no longer angry at each other. Boom. That's when 
<laughs> That's when Allison gets married again. Yeah. Uh, it's great. <laughs> and becomes a nutmeg or something. What? Chestnut. What was her last Jesus name? Christ. Chestnut. <laughs> becomes a nutmeg. I'm like, is this some sort of weird Whatever. racial slur? No, 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 no. Um, she becomes yeah. a chestnut. Yes. She, well, she, <laughs> we'll we'll get to Allison when we get to her. Um, but for now, you know, like Luther, uh, you know, is is basically working as both like kind of like a bodyguard muscle man, but then also like a a fixed fighter at these like mob underground fight ring things. Uh, Right. But the whole point is that he's sticking with this kind of abusive father figure type guy and he has to confront his daddy issues all over again, uh, which culminates in the season with him uh, first confronting his actual father and being told that he's not good enough and that he would never adopt such an unruly and gross child. Yeah. And then it, it culminates even further when he starts having daddy issues related to the older version of number five. And I think that is the the peak for his character, which which I think does not bode well for season three and and so on for him. That he is kind of going to become a joke character of like yeah. the dumb guy, but he's honestly he's, I just love him. It's fine. He's a himbo for sure. Uh, he is he's, he's got himbo energy. Um, but <laughs> I I think you know sort of on that note, um, one of the. Like, I think his shining moment is definitely the episode where he's tagging along with both the younger version of Five and the older version of Five. And they're sort of, like, hanging out (laughs) together and, like, they're having, like paradox psychosis or or what yeah. have you and he, you know he's being forced to like choose who to trust and which five to like kill or not kill and you know we we think yeah, that he's his gonna shining moment is getting kicked in the balls over and over again by his two brothers right. and then ultimately separating them and then hitting them on the head so that they stop fighting uh, yeah um, well, and then accidentally destroying the briefcase that would have gotten them home <laughs> Like, that's the other thing with uh, this season, is it truly is just a comedy of errors, uh, and it's, it's, like, delightful to watch, you know? Absolutely. Um, Like, the other thing, though, is because the family gets separated again, I think this goes back to what you were saying about everything, um, you know, sort of being a, a retread, almost, of season one, but, like, slightly to the left, um, is... Like, you know, they start off separate and they have to, like, find their way come back together. Like, back together. But this time yep. it's, like, a conscious choice to come back together. And they're, the only thing that's pulling them there is, well, Five and the threat that another right, apocalypse is going to happen. but Five was the one who brought happen. them together in some ways in the last one, too. Right. kept trying to keep everyone together. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, so it's a lot yeah. of the same th- same things repeating themselves, but in kind of heightened fashion because now we're in the 1960s. Right. Um, let's <laughs> let's move on to to Diego, yeah. uh, number two. What a quick. glow up! Can we just say? Like, I was not a big <laughs> I Diego. I thought he looked great in season one. I mean, he looked fine, but his personality, meh, he just gets so much more to oh, do he's too here. Batman. But, he was way too bad, But I don't know, man. like, I kind of liked his mommy issues, you know, like, well, we that kind of set him apart bit. from all of the other 
Right. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it set him apart from all of the other uh, people in his in his family. <laughs> With their in daddy issues. One. Right. They all had daddy issues. He's got the the mommy issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's like, no, dad's an asshole, but, uh, and I know that. <laughs> Right, but in this one, he's still, they kind of, you know, switch to him having more daddy issues and having to be the hero in order to justify his trauma, mm-hmm. which uh, is definitely something that uh, I think a lot of viewers will find relatable. Yeah. Um, but what I find interesting about this character is you have to give him a new love interest because his old one died. So if we're consciously <laughs> retreading season mom. one, we... <laughs> right. Well, no, it wasn't the mom. Oh, it was no, it wasn't. His, it was the detective. His cop friend. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. The cop friend slash girlfriend slash ex dies, and yeah. so he gets vengeful. But then we can't do that, you know, 100% again, but we need to give him a love interest. So we give him this one, who uh, Lila is just a retread of Leonard from last season in this, like, really obvious betrayal character. Um, I mean, yeah, but, like, she's so much more interesting than Leonard. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, everything's dialed up. But yeah. I think it's 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 interesting that we need to have another betrayer in the group to replace Leonard, who is dead. Right. Yeah, Leonard being, uh, for those who don't remember, Vanya's uh, boyfriend, who's also a serial killer. <laughs> right. New creepy guy. He's very creepy. Um. Okay, number three. Number three is Allison is that, or Klaus? No, I think it's Klaus. Klaus. So he has to be. He he has to get over Dave and over sobriety again, but <laughs> in the most dramatic turn. Well, he starts off sober, you know. Right. I guess that's slightly different. He 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 has a relapse in one episode. Well, like a couple episodes, but he gets clean again ish. The timeline is pretty condensed. <laughs> but um, I, the interesting thing about Klaus being, I think he's the most departure from his previous season's arc um, in that he starts a cult. Yeah. Because it's the 60s, and what do you do when you're from the future and you're living in the 60s is you and just tell people that the can, world's going to end. And you can and talk then... to ghosts. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like, of course he would form a... It's just, yeah. it's one of the most brilliant, like... It, it might have even been the whole reason why, in the comics and in here, they decided to send them all to the, the 60s. 60s. Um, it's very brilliant. good. And it's all done to, in this uh, montage to um, uh, Sunny M, or uh, Boney M's cover of the song Sunny, which yeah. is... It's a it's an amazing montage. Um, there's always at least one good montage in in in, <laughs> in each season. Yeah, no, they're very good. Um, um, but yeah, his 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 arc is no longer about getting sober to see his dead boyfriend, but to try and convince his dead boyfriend not to die. So right. in essence, confronting the fact that he's still not over the death of this loved one. So it's still right. the same arc, but done differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, which sort of ties into uh, Ben's arc, who is the the ghost of their brother who died as a, a kid, um, has, has sort of like aged with Klaus um, and you know gone along with him, um, and uh, he gets quite an upgraded role in in this season, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, he gets. 
I mean, he gets everything. He he gets a romantic arc. He gets a confronting his you know abusive family member arc, standing up for himself. Uh, you know, getting over his biggest fear, which is passing on to the next world. He gets and, a big uh, hero. He gets moment. a noble sacrifice. Yeah, he literally saves the entire universe. Yeah. Uh, and all of time and space. He's legit. Ben's Ben's great. Right. He's, <laughs> He's fantastic, but I think the idea of him being powerless, but actually all he needs to do is assert his own power, right. you know, even though he's dead, is uh, is a pretty powerful one. And then next season, he gets to be the bad guy, which is, right. uh, you know, Or at least alive. Art. Right. Well, at least alive. <laughs> um, which, you know, leads to an interesting question of whether or not he was actually passing on in that moment, or if timeline shenanigans but i i don't think i don't think they're ever going conducive. to really go into the metaphysics right. of like, how timelines function do they still exist right like th- some... that's that's a topic for a the take video where they like <laughs> <laughs> umbrella academy season two explained ben didn't right. actually die there because really the timeline Listen, was resetting against and so, explained videos no i have something against explained videos um they it's content for people who want to re-experience the content that they've just watched which is also the reason why you would come here to re-experience what you just watched through our eyes but at least we're providing you know our sort of subjective takes and and trying to provide new insight rather than just re-explaining plot points right the insight isn't like this is how the plot actually happen and you're an idiot if you didn't realize it (laughs) the insight is wow it's kind of like season one again but better (laughs) um right and whether that's a worthwhile insight is completely up to you totally Um, subjective you know there's no objective way to say oh you're an idiot for liking this uh podcast (laughs) so take that now now very interesting that five in this season has to confront uh, Hargreaves for the first time since teleporting to the future against his father's wishes. Yeah. So, like, he's always been, and I think, you know, he said things like this in interviews, that Five is the person least, like, traumatized by his father because, first of all, he wasn't around for that long. Right. And second of all, he fully recognizes that, you know, his father was right and that he had hubris in teleporting to the future. Right. Um... But I still think in this season, like, his arc is really more about, um, you know, his dedication to his his family becoming stronger and, you know, not caring as much about, you know, killing for the sake of good, for the sake of humanity or whatever was his drive in season one. Yeah. Or self-interest, maybe. But in this, it's really all about, you know, his family, protecting his family, sticking by him. Yeah, yeah, it's very family-oriented, and, you know, he does sort of do, like, he gets, like, a one-last-job kind of moment um, that that he does with the handler, and then gets to uh, come back and be like, I'm done, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore, and she's like, yeah, okay, we'll see. Um, But, but I think since then he hasn't killed anyone, Yes. Well, he sort of allowed the handler to be killed, and also all of the all of the uh, people I mean, with briefcases. Yeah, but he didn't kill them personally. I, I think enough. there's a difference when you're you've been an assassin for decades of your life, and <laughs> you know, right? You're you're now 
not actively killing people, I think. You know, you, you get a little point for that. Definitely. You get you get a pass, whatever, for me. Um, um, yeah. Allison, you want to talk about Allison? Yeah. This, uh, this season we talk about racism a lot, and I think right. they do it pretty okay, but I also don't know if I'm the most qualified person to, yeah, you know, I... give it a pass or not. I mean, we can at least judge it on the basis of, like, whether it is an entertaining and, you know, engaging uh, depiction of that particular time. And yeah. it's definitely entertaining. Yeah, um, and, and I think, um, you know, I think props to the show for showing the um, importance of women in the uh, civil rights movement, um, which is, you know, often overlooked, the the contributions of black women to... Uh, the cause. And I, I think having, you know, Allison obviously herself being a black woman and having to navigate this world one as a, in the first year that she's there, she's still recovering from having her throat slit by Vanya the previous <laughs> season. Um, so, you know, she doesn't like talk at all for the first year and like she gets to have really, I, I think it's an interesting dialogue about whether or not she should use her basically mind control powers to help the cause or not or if but again that's like the same issue that she was having last time as well not being willing to use the power because of how it's not worked well in the past for her (laughs) and it it didn't work when she was you know trying to help vanya either in in the season so now that's like the new trauma uh, that's that's triggering her never using the powers. I th- I think that's definitely part of it, but I think this season really was m- like there was something a little bit deeper behind it. Like there was like a real moral quandary about using it in that it could potentially really help the cause if she was just like you're not racist anymore like i heard a rumor like you'll let black people eat here and then like whoa equality but she like and like this is the part where it's really dicey and i i don't know like how again i'm not the most qualified person to to talk about this but that the act of struggling and like trying to find legitimate ways to create this kind of social change is going to be ultimately more impactful than if she just like rumored everyone into this social change. The other thing being that the fact that she can whisper in a cop's ear and make them stop shooting or, you know, or beating someone does make it really seem like she is an op from COINTELPRO, which is, which is what I love about this season the most is that these characters slot into the 60s so much better than they did even into 2019. Oh, yeah. Um, although 2019 does feel very apocalyptic or pre-apocalyptic now. Yeah, um, <laughs> considering the year so, we've had in 2020. <laughs> I, yeah, it's kind of like a wild thing that, okay, yeah, also when they go back to the 60s, it slots in perfectly. You know, you've got... You know, a gangster, um, a guy trying to assassinate uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, um, (laughs) a guy who's running kind of a leftist hippie cult, which is exactly like they're all of those cults were involved in some way, shape or form with the CIA. Right. Um, And then Vanya being this like super powered uh, (laughs) queer, super powered amnesiac living in the middle of nowhere who speaks Russian and whose name is Vanya. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, all of that is fantastic. It's very suspicious. And then, of course, you know, Allison being involved in the, the civil rights movement. And, you know, I think it makes total sense that she would be. Which there were CIA ops. Right, in, right. In, involved. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it, it leads to some conflict with her husband where she's like, why do you have all these white siblings like right. that, that I've never right. heard yeah. about like, Clearly before. these guys are all feds. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's absolutely no way that this class guy is not a fed. Like, right. Like, I would be thinking that if I was in his position. Yeah. He was in jail, immediately gets out because of the governor, like... And then this humongous man, the size of it, like, the Empire State Building just lumbers in and says, like, um, where, where's Allison Hargreaves? You mean my wife? <laughs> like, it's, it's all oh, very God. suspicious, um... And, yeah. you know, and, and it gets, so there's these Swedish uh, assassins. Right, who, who are, are just such a re, you know, a retread of Hazel, uh, Hazel and Cha-Cha. Cha-Cha. But again, like, I thought I was going to hate them for being so derivative, but I did find myself, like, feeling for them. Yeah. Once they started, like, they're, you know, feeling the loss of one of their brothers dying. Yeah. And the, the Uga and for like, Uga. Yeah. And just, like, how, how much they're just being played and, like, how much it sucks right. knowing that they're being played. Right. Um, and how it all comes back in the end. Yeah. And ties up very neatly for yeah. for those characters. When you don't think it will, you assume, like, oh, they're all gonna die. Or right, and then gonna... you forget about the one who, who gets left <laughs> by the end. Um, right. Yeah. It's and... brilliant. I mean, to make me care about three assassin characters named the Swedes. Who mostly don't task. talk. Right. It's tough, and they do it. I, uh, I yeah. don't know how. But, yeah, I think the the retread aspect of Allison is that she gets married again and also has problems with her powers being, uh, you know, something that she's not allowed to use in front of her husband. So right. that's, like, the same arc as the first one, but turned up to 11 because now the husband's actually there. Yeah. Um, and then who didn't we talk about? Vanya? That's... Yeah, she we haven't left? talked about Vanya. She's the last, number seven. Right. And so she gets a new love interest. She does! Vanya gets a beautiful bisexual... Well, I mean, this is just purely lesbian, but confirmed bisexual Vanya gets a beautiful <laughs> romance that doesn't end in death, which, you know, low fucking bar, but right. like, Although, hell yeah. I will say, I will say that it was... It completely did not work for me that she was able to go back to the future and just leave her behind because she said, well, it would never work out between us. That doesn't that doesn't work for me at all. Like she has absolutely nothing in the actual story tying her to that time period. And obviously um, her child would get better treatment in the future than she would than he would in the past. But here's the thing. I mean, clearly this woman also just I don't know, it works for me because she just suffered a trauma of, you know, her son suddenly having magical powers. And then there's a bunch of time assassins who show up on her farm. And like three weeks ago, her life involved like being unhappily married and caring for her autistic son, you know, like. Right. But honestly, I think that what happens immediately after this is that she gets arrested for murdering her husband. 
Like, that, that plot point was never actually resolved. Well, no, they do body removal. They just, her husband disappears. Oh, right. The, but it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a just, yeah, wipe that up kind of thing. It feels a little rushed and it feels a little cheap because you, we've been building up this romance the whole time. And I just want Vanya to be happy. I do just want Vanya to be happy, but I knew that they weren't going to go with her. But also, again, just like in the first season, there's an abusive uh, male figure even though it's not the person that Vanya is dating, he's kind of a new Leonard as well. Uh, yeah. In the abusive aspects. The gay romance is wonderful. Helen is, is her name, right? Or am I remembering that incorrectly? I don't remember. Damn, she's I watched just, so fast. She's just 60s lesbian <laughs> wife. She's great. And, and Which I'm sure is a trope. Uh, 60s lesbian housewife. I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily a trope because usually well, that trope ends in... the TV Tropes website. Well, because it usually ends in barrier gays, you know? Like, they don't well, normally get... certainly that, but it's a subsection of barrier gays that occasionally has... A not barrier gaze or whatever it's right. called when when the gays live. Sissy, that's that's her name. Sissy Harlan right. is the Helen. kid. The kid was Harlan, Harlan, which is where I was getting Helen. Right. Um, which gotcha. is a name I have only heard from a British, uh, like a British author with that name. So it was quite a wild. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird name, Harlan. Do you it's know anyone name. named Harlan? So conclusions. Are we at conclusions? Um, yeah, yeah, we skipped over a lot of the big plot points with the commission. Right, because I didn't want to do an explained bit. (laughs) Right, but I mean, was there anything with the commission plot points that, you know, stood out to you particularly? Like, we we sort of touched on, um, shoot, what's Diego's love interest name that I've forgotten? Lila. Lila. Like, I don't know, I think Lila's fascinating. Well, they similarly to the first season have a moment where Five leaves the group and then joins up with the the commission and then does some stuff and then betrays the commission and leaves. And then also Diego then does the exact same thing right. at the exact same point that Five did it in season one. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird, like, we're retreading even the same things as we're doing them, but... <laughs> I think the idea of stacking them on top of each other kind of works. Um, the idea that, you know, the the um, the handler is not the top boss, but has usurped the top boss's position is kind of interesting. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't in the comics because the handler is a totally original character. Mm. Um, the, the real, you know, head was always A.J. Carmichael, the fish man. Yeah. Um, which I like the fish man. I've always thought that the effects in this show yeah. were really good. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to even see more of young, uh, young Pogo, the chimp. Yeah, we get Pogo's backstory, which is right. We a get phenomenal. it just a little bit when he goes into space and then gets injected with the super serum. Right, but, and we find uh, out why the mom is a robot. Um, be, she, she's based right, off well, of we a find real out person. Who she's based off of. Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't really add anything because I always, I, I think, Figured, I think we need. Yeah. Something along those lines. A person. Yeah, but we get to meet her, which is an interesting experience. And she's a southern bale. (laughs) I mean, sort of. She has an accent. She does. I mean, there's your your 50s housewife, though, was mom from the original. I guess that's different than 60s farm housewife. We have our conspiracy theorist character, who I think is kind of this version's donut lady. Mm. This season's donut lady, who gets, you know, sort of dangled as a... 
this time dead. Yeah, very sad. he dies, and it's sad. I don't know, like, Diego, I, I, I just, we, we didn't really talk about, you know, Diego just wants to save JFK. Like, that's, he right. just wants to kill Harvey Oswald, or... It's the same as uh, Luther trying to find the monocle, or Diego trying to track down the killer of his, you know, dead girlfriend. Right. Like... You know, they all have these, like, individual quest Something markers that they have to abandon for their family. But right. I guess the real thing that matters in terms of subverting the tropes of the, of the first season mm-hmm. was when Vanya gets in the car and says, I'm going to go save my hot lesbian housewife. And her um, son. And her son. And you expect everyone to just let her go because she's, you know, the the outsider of the family and they're yeah. and, and was never really part of anything. But then one by one, they all get in the car, even Luther with yeah. his fat ass dragging the bumper <laughs> behind them. Um, and it's beautiful. And it is beautiful. And um, I, I love what this season does with the relationship between... Vanya, Allison, and Klaus, um, you know, like, like it's, it's very segmented who sort of does what with each other this season. Like it's a lot of Luther Diego five, uh, you know, if Luther is around at all. Um, and then there's like a lot of, uh, well, I mean, obviously Ben and Klaus are <laughs> literally right. inseparable. I think we get a lot of, I think we get but, a lot of decent combinations. I don't think yeah. Allison never really hangs out with five that much in season one or two, No, but you know, that's just a thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if there's a season three, which I hope there is, but if there's not, you know, I think this had enough of, like you said, an equilibrium that, that even though it does end on a cliffhanger emotionally, I feel like we have a lot of resolution, uh, here that makes us feel, that makes us feel like if, if it did end here, we would we would be able to find peace with it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, the commission is basically decimated and turned over to, like, this uh, bureaucrat Hal or Hank or something. Um, Hep. <laughs> something like, yeah. But, but he's, like, this sort of delightful, nerdy dude, uh, you know, who we're, like, less terrified of, of being evil and doing right, evil but we don't things. know what's going to happen we sure. don't know what's going to happen with that and we don't you know, know we don't know where anybody is we don't yeah. know where any of the other <laughs> agents are and whether well, they survived the time skip a lot of them died in the final right, fight but they might not the they might be back yeah they might be back because time is different now yeah maybe there's no, I don't know. There's no telling what Who is knows? It? <laughs> the, the writers could literally write anything. What was what was your thoughts on the conclusion, like the final fight where... So that's the other big twist we get um, with Lila, is that she is one of the 43 children uh, who was born right. on she October 1st. She can copy 1st. anyone's powers. Yeah. Um, which, like, I think that's a very fun assassin <laughs> power because uh, she was raised by the hand. Right. It's just, it's something to kind of artificially, it's like the, the, the Deadpool ending of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Like, this is a character who can kind of do all the things. Yeah. And so being able to do all the things, it creates a very, a very eventful final fight scene right. without having to construct an entirely new villain with entirely new powers to yeah. explain. Right. So it it all works for me. I I, I think it's a cool fight scene, uh, and it has emotional 
impact once they get her to heel turn possibly yeah it's it's left a little ambiguous about whether or not she will you know turn to the good side uh but it's definitely family yeah she's one of us She's one of those yeah. special kids. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Um, I don't know, but like it, the the end of it seemed like a very much like ending the cycle of violence was was sort of the message of the end of the season. But at the same time, more violence yet to come. Yeah, probably. Caused directly by Hargreaves as a villain, as opposed to a sort of nebulous. Uh, kind of evil force. <laughs> well, she, oh, that's the other thing. Um, you know, with Hargreaves being literally revealed to be not only part of a secret conspiracy consortium who was plotting to kill JFK. Uh, right. Which well, he, he didn't, didn't realize, it. I guess. Shrug, no, he, I think he knew mark. it, but he just thought it was worth it. Whatever for his research. Yeah. But he... He is a lizard person he's or a lizard person alien who's got shit on the other side of the moon, and that's why he was always obsessed with the moon. Yep, that's why he is. He loves the moon. That's why Luther was there, not just that's why to he fuck was with them. It's because he's an alien. Um, which, like, I don't understand how that didn't come up after he died. Because it wasn't <laughs> really pressing uh, at that point. I guess yeah. When you're when you go to the ghost zone where you can be contacted by Klaus, you remain in your disguise. Well, I mean, Ben ages, so like, sure, why not? There's but... weird rules for the afterlife here. Yeah, um, but it, like, not God even the is afterlife. A little girl on a tricycle. Just like they did an autopsy on him to see if he'd been like killed, like murdered, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. Pretty bad autopsy, you bro. You cut into that. It does. It just raises some questions about season one that you're like, maybe what? Pogo did the autopsy. Maybe that, I believe that Pogo did. I it. would believe it too. Pogo's All right. Well, champion. let's leave it at that. All right. We're calling it. Yeah. This is the Umbrella Academy uh, signing off. Bye bye.